And now, The Ropes. Welcome to The Ropes. I am Rafe Bartholomew. I'm joined by ESPN.com's Brian Campbell, who is with us today from the inside of a cake from which he plans to pop out and sing happy birthday Marilyn Manson style, Marilyn Manson, Marilyn Monroe style, to our boy Gennady Golovkin, who turned 33 today when we're recording on uh, April 8th, Wednesday. Brian, is it hot in there? Yeah, but I'm going to keep all my clothes on. Is it going to get hotter when you pop out? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Guns and Bros is back again. Gennady's <laughs> 33rd birthday, 33 and a third. We are back the ropes. That's right. His Patrick Ewing birthday. It's a big day for Gennady. <laughs> uh, before we get into everything else, uh, what's your very quick birthday present, birthday wish for Mr. Golovkin? Uh, my wish for Mr. Golovkin is that he closes out 2015 with a legit big time fight. Amen and, uh, to that. Yeah. You know, on, on the JCC junior level, if you know what I mean. I would love to see that. Um, so on our show today, we've actually got a lot planned. We're going to update everyone on uh, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather, who, as you do not know, are fighting on May 2nd. Uh, we're going to talk about that. We've got some quotes from Sugar Ray Leonard, who uh, Brian had an interview with earlier today about that. We've got an interview with Angel Garcia, the trainer of Danny Garcia, who's fighting this weekend on Saturday at the Barclays Center against Lamont Peterson. Uh, and we also are going to preview those fights. So... Um, Let's start us off with uh, a few minutes of that interview you had with Sugar Ray Leonard. Take it away. There's a comparison in a way to the delay in this, to the delay in, in the anticipation of your fight with Marvin Hagler. In this case of Mayweather Pacquiao, does the delay hurt or help the fight? You know, um, I, I've asked for this question a number of times, and I, I, I say that every fighter, every fighter, has one more fight left in him, one big fight left in him. For Ali, it was either Joe Frazier or George Foreman. For me, it was Marvin Hagler. That one last fight, one last moment that I could be Sugar Ray Leonard. The same thing applies to uh, Pacquiao and Mayweather. Um, Mayweather's, what, 38? Mm-hmm. Pacquiao's 36, 37. Um, and they look good in their fights, but you... you, you you see or you notice a slowdown or getting hit more, this and that. But this fight here, forget about, well, you can't forget money because it's astronomical. <laughs> but that being put aside, this fight is more important than any fight in their life. Life, career, everything. This fight is about bragging rights. This fight is about legacy. This fight is about history. And I'm sure these guys, if they tell you that they're not thinking about you know, fight, or they're not nervous, or what? They're not telling the truth. It's okay, because fighters, we don't say we're scared and mm-hmm. this and that. We may use another term. We may say we're concerned. You know, but any fighter is scared to a degree, because the, the fear is a good thing. Because fear, uh, it can paralyze you, or it can make you more aware, sharper. So you, you got to balance that, and. This fight is that big. I mean, when I think of a fight, and I'll be there, I'm sure my palms will sweat because of the anticipation. Because I've lived, I've been there. You get the same rush. I get the same rush. People ask me every week in my ESPN.com chat who would win, Floyd or Sugar Ray Leonard. (laughs) 
How would you approach? How would you prepare to fight Floyd Mayweather? There is no one way to to fight Mayweather. He, he's that he's that good. Um, but I, you know, I break my opponents down. I I I, I choreograph the fight in my head. Um, I I know what I can do. But you know, I don't want to take away from Mayweather Pacquiao. Let them fight their fight. Let the victor um, um, be standing. And then maybe I can talk about it a lot clearer. Would these guys fit in competitively with the four kings of the 1980s that you were a part of? They, they'll be welcome. Maybe not victorious? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian. So you know you were sitting across the room from the legend Sugar Ray Leonard. There, what did what did you know? What sort of vibe did you get uh, when you were interviewing him uh, earlier today? Had an excellent chat with him. You, you can read the full transcript in my Q and A on, on the ESPN.com boxing page. But you know he had some interesting takes on the on the fight in general. I love that last little stretch of the quote there. That you know he he's not trying to take attention away from Mayweather Pacquiao. Not trying to get involved in saying you know if whether he's whether he could beat Floyd historically. Although for this fight he does does pick Mayweather to beat Pacquiao. But I love the whole old guy still sitting on the porch. You're not on my level. Seventy two Dolphins thing where it's like you know he's going to give this fight all the respect in the world and he gives a lot of respect to Floyd in that interview that w- of which you didn't even hear but at the end of the day you know can they compete in his era <laughs> well they'd be welcome at least you know you got to love that you got to well, love that from the f- here, he's still a fighter and here's my question for Sugar Ray then uh did you ever fight with a $25,000 mouth guard in your mouth in a boxing <laughs> ring cuz that's what our boy Floyd Mayweather is planning to do on May 2nd he's already commissioned it i hear the the doctor uh the dentist is already at work he's going to be t- tearing up one $100 bills and mixing them into the mold with diamonds and gold to, to, to protect Floyd's pearly whites. Uh, you know, what can, can Sugar Ray compete with that, though? No, Sugar Ray can't really compete with that <laughs> at all, by any means. But just one point to close on, on Sugar Ray, which I thought was interesting. He actually thought that this fight, Mayweather Pacquiao, is the biggest fight since Ali Frazier won and bigger than the fights that he were a part of in the 1980s, only because of technology and social media sort of advancing. I thought that was kind of interesting. But he couldn't compete with the kind of money that Floyd's willing to waste. I mean, we saw Amir Khan in his last fight in December. What, he wore a pair of trunks that cost him, what, like 50000 to make? Like, I mean, had the gold woven in? Were they made out of a, a bald eagle's forehead and in a, in a endangered whale's backside? Like I don't understand this. You know, it's a flauntation of money. But if you you know if you got it, flaunt it. Well, right? here's my question. I mean, if and this is this would be crazy if it happened because who could imagine this ever happening to Floyd Mayweather? But what if by some chance Manny connects with a huge left and Floyd's and that mouthpiece goes flying out of the ring and into the into the crowd into the like press row somewhere you know i know that most of the people on press row don't make that much money what's to stop them from just grabbing it and going Nothing. It's we flashbacks to WrestleMania one with uh, Andre the Giant taking the the bag and throwing out the hundred dollar bills to the crowd after the slam match. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, if his mouth guard's going to look like this with actual money in it, you know, what kind of trunks is he going to pull out? You know, who's what animal skin? You know, uh, it's it's an interesting subplot of many subplots that really haven't been all that intriguing or appealing, interesting, but nothing that's really stuck well, out in the fight leading up. What's caught your eye recently? Well, the other the the sort of the one that might have some bearing on the fight, if you 
really want to like stretch your your uh, suspension of disbelief is uh, also has to do with a, a, a sort of hefty price tag. Is that uh, Freddie Roach recently said that he had to buy a eighteen hundred dollar calf cream, sort of like the the most expensive Ben Gay on the planet to rub uh, not not him personally, but for other people to rub on Manny's legs, uh, which has is that a boo boy thing? Boo boy? Uh, no, no, no. I've I've been in that uh, circle a few times, and boo that boo boy is well way above that level. Um, you people know, don't boo- realize you're on the outer rim of the Pacquiao circle. You're I, like- would, I you know I, I try to keep a professional distance. Um, you know, we've met a few times uh, in just sort of passing. You know, he he's been impressed by uh, my Tagalog a couple times, which was flattering for me. Uh, I got to take a selfie with him a few years ago. You know, Do you guys talk like PBA history. Oh, uh, well, you know, this was you know I actually haven't spoken with him since he got in since he became a player coach in the basketball <laughs> league. Uh, I uh, I've, I talked to guys who played against him uh, and who have said like I hope he never scores on me, but um, also talked to some that say they would just let him score because he might give him an extra tip after the game. So uh, that's just you know man he's a generous guy. But Is anyway, Manny playing pro basketball more absurd than the time Billy Crystal uh, was in a, a spring training game for the New York Yankees? <sighs> Uh, no, because at least Manny's an athlete. Um, all right, all right. He's but, got large calves, and he, yeah, we'll give him that. So, so the story behind the eighteen hundred dollar calf cream uh, is that you know over the years he has been plagued or supposedly been plagued by calf cramps, calf pain. It's never been clear I- exactly what kind of pain or where the the cause of it was uh, in fights, and it, it's something that they say kept him from going for the kill in the fights that sort of fizzled for him, uh, say, Shane Mosley uh, or when he fought uh, Tim Bradley the first time uh, and and ended up losing that controversial decision. Um, the, one of the reasons that, that was floated out there was, oh, man, he was bothered by his calves, so he let his foot off the gas pedal. Um, do you, do you, you know, why would uh, Manny's camp let this out if he were indeed experiencing new calf trouble? Uh, and... Do you do you even believe that 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 those excuses were ever a, a factor in his fights to begin with? I, I find it's interesting why this did leak out because I think like we talked about on a previous episode with Floyd, you know, putting out videos of himself chopping wood in the front yard. If you're gonna at this point, if there's you know the pre-fight documentaries haven't started yet, if anything is going to come out of these camps, normally it's it's produced by the camp for a reason, try to get some angle. And I can't really connect the dots on why in this case, but the whole you know legacy of the Manny's mythical calf cramps, I, I always. Okay, I don't take a lot of what Alex Ariza says uh, by belief. I don't think a lot of people do. I think that's why the famous strength trainer has bounced around from Manny's camp all around. Now he's with Floyd. I mean, he's just sort of – he's an interesting character. But he always claimed – the fights that Manny stopped listening to him and, and stopped sticking with the workouts as diligently, the strength routines leading up, that it led to the calf cramping. And he pointed to those same fights you mentioned as sort of a time. And if you want to take it as believable, that was during the timeline of Manny's arc when he was sort of living the wild lifestyle, right? Like the womanizing, the gambling. Well, it was before the religious conversion. So maybe I connect the dots that he maybe he wasn't as committed during training camp. Maybe he wasn't as up for the Mosley fight or the Timothy Bradley fight well, as he would have been two years earlier for De La Hoya and Cotto, and maybe that led to some calf cramping. He definitely 
the, so so just a timeline correction, you know, uh, the uh, he what he had his uh, religious awakening before between the third uh, Marquez fight and yes. the first Bradley fight. Uh, so he for the Tim Bradley fight, he was uh, praying appropriately beforehand. Uh, but Rafe, yes. but the man was so distracted before the fight that he made the world wait until he watched the ending of Game Seven of uh, Celtics, Celtics at heat, Cavaliers man. in Celtics the. No, Celtics Heat. That was no, that heat. was Cavs, dude. That was 2012, right? Or am I, am I just way off on my world timeline? Yeah, Celtics Heat, my man. Celtics oh, heat. man. I just, I just exposed. I just, that was uh, some exposure. Yeah, you're you're right no longer welcome in the Grantland offices if you oh. ever show up in L.A. Oh, um, man. But uh, so my, my feeling here is that I, I never, it never looked like Manny was experiencing pain in those, in those fights where he let his foot off the gas pedal. Like with Shane Mosley, it looked like he was carrying him in that fight. It was just sort of yeah. like a gentleman's agreement. Like, oh, you know, this isn't a fight. Which, you which, give me your name, I'll let you see the right. final, you know. Uh, yeah. and, and in Bradley, I think that he got so used to winning, on, you know, winning, and he seemed like he wasn't having any trouble in the fight. Maybe he just figured he didn't need to, and, and Bradley wasn't really pressing the fight against him so he he figured he could do that there too and he paid for it uh you know Ariza hasn't been in Manny's camp uh, since what? Since the first Bradley fight? Um, hey, don't let the facts get in the way of my theories here. As you're as you're de- debunking say, my myth, he hasn't had he, he hasn't brought up the Cavs much since then. Um, and maybe they have been hurting him. and They just chose not to say it. In any case, I just don't. I don't feel like the Cavs have have affected the outcome of of any of Manny's fights so far. Even if he did experience some pain. And I don't think they're going to experience the out- experience affect the ex- the uh, outcome of Mayweather Pacquiao on May second. Yeah, and I don't think there's going to be any issue of not focused. I mean, I think the reason why we haven't seen anything really real come out of either camp yet is because I do think so. Go- so both guys are so extremely ridiculously focused. They're both taking it as the fight of their life as they should. Right. That there's almost no 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 real drama comes out of that when you're that focused. Oh, you know? uh, when you say no real drama, are you saying that this new all this sparring partner news that the sparring heads <laughs> is not is not real? I mean, what are you trying to say? Sparring heads. Yeah, sparring heads. It's interesting because whenever these things float out, you know, Floyd got dropped by a body shot. This and that happened. Uh, you know, this Floyd's been knocking fools out in, in in sparring. You know, you always take it with a grain of salt. But one rumor that won't go away is that Zab Judah has had some success and that he's dropped Floyd Mayweather. And Zab Kamatons, what's your take on this? Uh, I don't know if I believe that. I would say that if if that that, that if they are behind that rumor. Uh, then maybe it is just Floyd's way of uh, making up to Zab for the the knockout knockdown that that he that he had in their fight together that wasn't called when his glove touched the canvas. Uh, maybe it's just him doing a solid to his buddy who's helping him prepare I for a big know. fight. Floyd doesn't do solids like that, and I think this is one that might have leaked out. Mm. I really do. I think this is one of the rare real ones that kind of leaked out, and you know, you, don't, you just don't know how much it's getting uh, overplayed and, and fluffed up to be more than it is, you know. So, because look, it's sparring; you're not taking it seriously. Someone does turn and pop your reel. You might go, you might have a flash knockdown. Doesn't mean you're you're not prepared. You know, you're not up to form or you're past your prime. But it does sort. If this is real, it does sort of beg an interesting cl- question. There's been a lot of theories through the years that Floyd. Could have issues with lefties, specifically quick lefties. It goes back to when Chop Chop Coraline and mm-hmm. otherwise one-sided fight, you know, stunned and hurt Floyd badly against the ropes. Floyd really had to show himself and recover and show his recuperative abilities 
we know Zab Judah had four impressive rounds against him in which he scored a knockdown that yep. wasn't wasn't credited. I think, and you might call me crazy, but even Victor Ortiz within those four rounds, you know, he was going to get exposed if that fight went the distance, but he was still showing you that as a somewhat quick explosive lefty, he was cutting down the distance pretty I easily. You. I wanted to this see that fight me... end, you know, not the, not the way it ended, the exactly. way the way it would have ended. Rafe, I'm telling you, this gives me belief that this will be a very competitive fight because I just don't see Floyd adapting and adjusting that quickly to a southpaw who's that quick, who can fight that awkwardly with angles, and who is that good. It's not just going to be the normal fourth, fifth round mid-fight adjustment, and he, and he cruises home. I, I'm sick of people saying, oh, I got Mayweather, I got him by, you know, eight, eight rounds or whatever. Like, it's just, that's, I just don't see that happening. I think it is destined to be a close decision fight. You, you know, and I have to give you a golden avocado for that remark, because, uh, I mean, oh, you oh. mentioned this to me earlier, uh, our boy Chris Algieri, who appeared on the podcast a few weeks weeks ago, uh, he said, you know, one of the things he told us was that, you know, Manny can still punch with power without having his feet set and and in combination. And and that's the kind of thing where you could see him getting in there and and really uh, being effective against a, a fighter as as sort of defensively brilliant as Floyd Mayweather. That was a really interesting comment because we know Floyd handles so well the guys who come at you, you know, orthodoxly or in a, in a natural style. We know, you know, that Maidana had some kind of extra success because he threw those crazy punches from crazy angles. Well, Manny also kind of throws crazy punches from crazy angles, but he does it, you know, more technically. He does it tighter. So that's just, it's just, I think that that does, if, it, if anything, it builds me up to believe that it, we're going to see a close fight. Even if Floyd does come over the top and, and make more adjustments and prove that he's more fresh, it gets me more excited for the fight. So I think that might be one thing that I can pull. I can It roots in that Judah story, but I can pull all the way from there and believe that there's maybe a little truth coming out of that. All right. One last bit of uh, Manny and Floyd news, uh, and that's the, 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 the process that the Nevada State Commission is going through in, in narrowing down who will be the referee of that fight. They, uh, they released a list of six finalists this week. Uh, they are... Uh, so many luminaries here. I, it's it's just exciting to read their names. Uh, Kenny Bayless, Robert Byrd, Tony Weeks, Jay Nady, of Judah List fame, Jay Nady, uh, <laughs> Russell Mora, and Vic Dracolich. Uh, <laughs> this is a great list, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, not the, just that the average age is like sixty-eight, <laughs> which it kind of surprised me. You know, some of these guys are that old, but. Look, there's realistic choices on there, and then the ones, there's ones that aren't realistic. Uh, Russell Moore is not going to be realistic unless it's going to be like a BKB below the belt fight. You know, like <laughs> we're not going to see that happen. I think Vic Draculich is a little too shaky for the, for this level of fight for that to be ridiculous at all. Nobody really likes Jay Nady. He's he's you know he he's of that category that is too hands-on, you know, to, it takes over the fight himself. I think we're down to three guys, and I think these three guys are. are Maybe the three best referees in the sport, if not, you know, three of the four or five best referees in the mm-hmm. sport right now. Bayless, Bird, and Weeks. Did you Ray- just betray your boy up in Canada? Well, Michael, okay, that's what I was going to allude to, that I keep a regular working best referees list, like a top three. And whenever someone sort of betrays me Forget in that. Forget the Judah list. We're going we're to do that now. Yeah, when someone betrays me, they kind of drop back. And believe me, Kenny Bayless for about five, six years was everyone's go-to, the guy who is the best referee, you know, so level-headed, so everything. I think he's gotten a little bit too safe. Yeah, and he's I think feeling that was, himself right now. I think that he's was ex- Exactly. It went to his head in the same way it went to Smoger's head. We love Smoger, but it seemed like that went to his head a little bit. He had some rough performances there. I think Kenny Bayless in the in the Maidana Mayweather rematch was way too you know uh, safe and way too willing to separate them constantly in complete opposition to where I felt Tony Weeks was way too liberal in the first Mayweather Maidana match. That's why if I'm going to have a pick out of this group, 
I want Robert Byrd because he's currently number one on my right now at this moment best referee list with Canadian Michael Griffin, my man, number two. I think it should be Bird because I think he doesn't take crap. He's level-headed. He's just strong and solid. He also doubles as a uh, usher for the MGM Grand. I don't know if you've ever, if you've ever seen that at fights. I, I did not know that. That's, it's that's fantastic. Cool... Well, check your ticket. You can talk fights with him. He's a great guy. We know his wife is a famous uh, boxing judge, Adelaide oh, Bird. Of course. Rafe, do you think there's a these, – all these six referees have a distinctive style. Do you think there's a style that's better for either fighter – or do you think there's a style that might be better for the fans out of out of which referee gets chosen? Oh, no, here? no. See, now this is exactly what I was about to ask you, and I, I don't really think it matters in this case. I mean, this is you know the the, the reason we the, the reason Kenny Bayless was criticized in the Mayweather Maidana fight Mayweather Maidana two fight is that he didn't let Maidana work inside enough. The, the the reason some people thought Tony Weeks didn't do a great job in the first Mayweather Maidana fight is that he let Maidana play too rough. Well, I mean, Manny is not gonna try and and get he's going to try and get inside of Floyd's, you know, and, and land some punches. And but he's in and out. He's not gonna. He's not a True. brawler. He's not a mauler. This is not going to be like a dirty fight. Uh, Floyd has a little bit of dirt in him, and, and he'll he might use his elbows a little, like we've seen before. He might, you know, he's he'll do anything to win. Um, but I think that this fight is gonna. That these these are both pretty clean boxers who who are gonna. You know, fight on their terms, and I don't. As long as there's not a, a real wild card referee in there, like sort of Vic Draculich <laughs> or Jay Nady, uh, Russell you know, Moore. Yeah, I on. mean, as long as you get one of those guys who pretty is steady enough, I think the fight will just play out fine. Yeah, you're probably right. And look, you know, most of these guys are very credible. I mean, I'm tough on Bayless for that one performance or two performances, but he's still very much at the top. I think any of these top three guys would work well. Weeks, you know, with the styles of the fighters as well. Again, it's probably more much ado about nothing as long as we don't get a wild card. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I, I know you've been you've been sort of texting me on and off. It's it's been an exciting weekend in uh, boxing Instagram. You've been you you found some real gems. Who, who's who's sort of rising on your on your dang list name for the Instagram God TV Johnny? Hashtag dang list. So many guys giving me feels lately. I mean, I'm going to Instagram more than I'm going to Twitter. It's like you know which one when you pick up your phone when you haven't been to your phone in like ten minutes because that's sometimes ten minutes away from your phone can feel like an eternity. What do you go to first? I'm going to Instagram lately because I'm getting so much look. We identified last time around the guys who we thought whenever we do sort of get ready to reveal our, our hashtag dang list top five pound for pound who might be in the running. I think Curtis Stevens, who just had a BKB fight last week against uh, Gabe Rosado that went to a draw. draw. Uh, which is a whole other topic we could spend 10 minutes on. But he's making case for not just Dangless pound for pound top, but Dangless Hall of Fame. Have you been, did, you, <laughs> did you see the post that I tweeted? Yeah. Of course you saw it. After the morning after his, his Vegas BKB fight, he's standing on his bed <laughs> in a robe, white robe, terry cloth robe, there, with, with the rap music blasting in the background and the bottle of, is that Cristal? I, I, it was champagne. That's all I know. And he's pouring one out for his homies right at the key point in that song. And, man, He's just living. I mean, he always lives it up on Instagram. I actually, I, I, I adored even more the one he he posted earlier in the weekend before the fight, uh, probably on the day of the weigh-in, where it was Curtis Stevens playing with his trainer uh, Shane Mosley's monkey Tito, <laughs> and he's speaking to him in Spanish. He's like, you know, Tito, Benaki, Benaki. You know, it's just like uh, that was amazing. Yeah, um, and we could go a whole nother route with with how Shane Mosley uh, had a had a heel turn on Twitter and turned himself into a superstar. We can't. We don't have time. We 
can't go there. You know who else is just speaking of uh, Instagram vacation and, and just being a dang list lifer? Our guy Andre Berto was L I V I N on vacation in some island with some amazing photos. Which one stood out to you as the best? Uh, it's uh, there's one obvious choice. I mean, one. I mean, probably good for Andre Berto. He always looks just jacked. You know, I mean, say what he he's his career has had some ups and downs, but he's in great shape all the time. Uh, but. Andre Berto on the beach with the board shorts, holding the giant crab or lot what was some kind of crustacean in one hand, and just just I don't even know what to say about that guy. It was fantastic. I yeah. mean, it was it was so good. And I think somebody else is making a response when you sort of called out our contenders last time. You said you know Sergey Kovalev once an Instagram pioneer, dang list uh, lifer. You said he was he wasn't stepping up his game. Well, he has responded. I'm sure he's a listener to this pod. He's come back hard with. Uh, did you see the 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 four man <laughs> sauna pick where he was shirtless, laughing with the towel wrapped around his I, waist? We've seen him in a in a motorcycle, uh, a black motorcycle that was a nice with a one. yeah, he's with an like, earless mm-hmm. black motorcycle helmet. It's fantastic. We saw him at a horse race in the most obscene and ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know what kind of shirt it was. He, that, I, was a, that was a classic Joe Goosen shirt. It, it was Goosen esque and it was awesome. And uh, we're close. You know, please continue to send in your uh, your thoughts, your votes, people we should look out to at hashtag Danelist and in honor of our guy TV Johnny. But we got a lot of guys who are trying to make moves up this list, believe me. Absolutely. All right. So uh, we want to move on and uh, throw to an interview that we actually recorded last week with Angel Garcia, the uh, father and trainer of Danny Garcia, the 140-pound junior welterweight champion who is not fighting at 140 pounds this weekend against Lamont Lamont Peterson. He's fighting at 143-pound catchweight, which we'll bring up with Angel. Uh, And we also got to talk to him about uh, Al Heyman, the the sort of prominent and sometimes controversial uh, boxer boxing advisor who's in charge of this PBC movement uh the his sort of his his pre-fight Angel Garcia's pre-fight uh uh, personality, I guess you call it, uh, that actually before before we even play the video, I want to play or play the interview, I should say. I want An all-time great interview, which I was yeah. standing right behind as it was happening. I was we want right to play against- a clip of, uh, of Angel Garcia during the week of, uh, uh, sorry, during the week of Matisse Garcia, uh, what, September 2013? Mm-hmm. Can- Canelo Mayweather week. That's right. Uh, and uh, he was getting pretty animated. Looking at that fight, when Matisse came out, he got a majority of the cheers. Your son's a champion, and your son, your son is an American yeah. fighting here okay. in Las Vegas. So yeah. when you hear people cheering for Matisse, yeah. how does that make you feel, okay. and how does that make Danny when, feel? When the federal government sends half of the people their check, they all cheer when they say United States government on it. Huh? Half of them on welfare anyway, who cares? But when the government sends them the check, then Americans, huh? But all of a sudden, they want to be Argentino, Valentinos. Looking you know at uh, that's one thing, you know, you're making an uh-huh. assumption, but, you know. Okay, I'm making something the truth. <laughs> the truth is the truth. So that's sort of classic Angel Garcia, bombastic, doesn't quite make lo- uh, total sense, uh, very animated, all oddly patriotic. Uh, and that was my man Marcos Villegas of Fight oh, Hub who did that interview. Shouts to Marcos. He stood in there like a champ and and, 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 and really took quite a, a verbal, like, you know, fusillade from... Uh, there was more and it was intense and, and Marcos actually stood his ground. I mean, he might have taken a punch there. It was getting close. I mean, <laughs> um, our, our man Angel was fired up. The so truth is the truth, Rafe. That, look, I mean, we, we know that for sure. So that's sort of Angel's style. He's had a lot of controversial moments before fights. Uh, st- sort of the first memorable one was when he, before the the Khan Garcia fight, where he said that he knew that 
Pakistanis can't fight, and he just, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, inspired a lot of uh, think pieces about racism in boxing. <laughs> uh, he he came to near blows with Zab Judah and Zab Judah's father before that was he, classic. Before uh, Danny fought Zab, uh, and there was the uh, Argentino Valentino stuff, the rant that he went on uh, before uh, Danny fought Argentine fighter Lucas Matisse in 2013. Uh, so we talked about to him about this and uh, the upcoming fight, and uh, let's 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 hear it. Uh, joining us on the ropes today, we're really excited to have Angel Garcia, the father and trainer of unbeaten junior welterweight champion Danny Garcia, who's fighting fellow titleist Lamont Peterson on uh, Saturday, April 11th at Barclays Center in Brooklyn on a PBC on NBC card. Uh, the fight is going to be at 143-pound catchweight, so no titles on the line. Uh, but we're really excited to talk to Angel about preparing his son for the fight and his career as a trainer and, and the boxing scene as a whole. So uh, let's get into it. Thank you very much. Angel, so glad to have you here, man. Let's kick it right Thank off you. by get, getting into the nuts and bolts of this preview. You're the trainer for your son, Danny. So what kind of challenge does Lamont Peterson bring to the table for you guys in this fight? Well, honestly, I with you. I'm just going to be honest. I'm going to keep it a get. Uh, uh, Peterson, all I'm going to give him credit for is for uh, putting gloves on as a fighter. you got to give him that. But at the end of the day, you know, April 11th, you know, tune in April 11th, NBC, Danny Garcia undefeated. I'm going to say undefeated because there's no title involved, but I, I usually say junior weight champion of the world. I'm going to say undefeated. Uh, Danny Garcia is still, is still undefeated at the end of the night. You know, Peterson don't hold no threat for us. Uh, Peterson, I'm not I'm not going to take him lightly. I'm not going to take him, you know what I mean, slightly or not like that. But at the end of the day, April 11th, Danny Garcia wins again. And if, if he get and if he get fresh, if he opens up early, goes for the knockout. Danny Garcia knocks Peterson out. Angel, this is why we love you. Keeping it real, <laughs> keeping it one hundred. You're no Argentino Valentino. You're the real deal, Angel <laughs> no, yeah. Garcia. No, yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> Well, look, let's let's talk about this matchup from the sense a lot of criticism being thrown at everyone for this being a catchweight, 143 pounds. Yeah. Some people think it's so the loser can retain their title. Some people think Danny can't make the weight. From your point of view, yeah. why are we doing this catchweight thing? Yeah, but the thing is this. Danny makes the weight easy. But the thing is this. They're talking about the, the weight at 43, but when he, when Peterson put, um, when Peterson put Matisse at 41, they didn't say that. And that title would have been ours because we beat Matisse. So that That's title would have been ours two times already because when Danny fought Khan, then he gave him the IBF back. He fought Khan, he beat Khan. That could have been our buckle right there. Boom. Then he fought Matisse at a catchweight. That would have been ours again. So twice would have been ours. But it's not about, um, at the end of the day, Danny don't have a problem making weight. It's just, it's just that's, what, that's what we agreed to, 143. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, if they fight at 140, it's still going to be a great fight. It, it doesn't take nothing away. It doesn't add nothing. All it is, titles. Like, they, I mean, I mean, I like, I know, I understand people want to see titles involved, but at the end of the day, they get, they get the money's worth. They get a great fight. They put 11 MVP. It, it doesn't get no better than that. <laughs> uh, Angel is is. Part of it, a plan. The sort of I know Danny has mentioned this before that it's sort of a plan to event, to slowly move up to welterweight and fight at 147 pounds. Well, that could be the plan. I mean, I'm not saying that we won't, we won't fight. That's the plan. I mean, we we could go to 47. It doesn't matter. Danny could be a 47 too. 
He's not a little kid. I mean, he's not a, a, little, a little guy. He's 5'9". He'd be a great welterweight. But if it's 47, it's 47 it is. We ain't running for nobody. We fight whoever. We're not, we're not, we're not ditching nobody. We're not running for nobody. We're not scared of nobody. We fight whoever. Whoever. doesn't matter. Whoever. All right, so I wanted to get a little bit into the build-up to this fight against Peterson on April 11th and, and kind of ask you, it almost seems because the whole boxing world is, is focused on Mayweather Pacquiao right now uh, yeah. that, that, that there hasn't been as much shine on, on this fight as maybe we would see so, in another yeah, month. You know, like right, all the... It doesn't matter. I mean, as long as I know Danny's happy and the fans that they follow Danny and stuff and NBC is happy and the Barclays is happy and, the, you know, Everything is good, you know. What I mean, so if Danny, if Danny kicks six million views at seven million, eight million views, is a great thing. That's what we're talking about here. I mean, the, the the cool part about this is what you're saying that it's the launch of you know the second fight of the PBC on NBC. More eyes. What does it mean for you, for guys like Danny, of of the launch of what Al Heyman's doing? What does it sort of mean for you guys? Well, it's, it's a great thing because at the end of the day, it's about the fighters. Because you know, you got to understand a lot of fighters. They, they they put their whole life into this. They'll be since little kids in this, since eight year old, seven year old, putting their whole life into at the end of the day, you know, great fighters and they end up with nothing. You know what I'm saying? Like where they still live in the same house they lived when they were eight. You know what I mean? And the person that's the person that never threw a punch in their life is is living in the big house. You know, I was trying to change all that. He's doing a great thing. He's trying to give it back to the fighters. Like who deserves it? Like, it's about the fighters at the end of the day, the ones that get punched in the face. You know what I mean? I was a great man. I, I mean, they make it seem like I was the worst man in the world. I was the great man in the world. If it was more hours, it'd be a better world. But at this point, the boxing world would be anyway. You know, I, I like what Al's doing in terms of you're saying making it about the fighter. I like the the features, the the, the documentary series leading up. It, it's focusing on a new side of the fighter. So in I that agree. regard, Al is sort of, you know, last year he was almost a hated man in the sport. Yeah, but exactly. this year he's doing different things. What is he like as a person? We never get to see this guy interviewed. From what you've seen, what's your take on him? Yeah, I was a humble man. Like, he's just humble. Like, he's a, he's a great man. You see, he's got a girl heart. And, you know, Al, it wouldn't have been for Al. You know what I mean? Danny's a great fighter. Danny would have been white, one of them fighters that would have slipped through the crack of boxing. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? So, so I want to thank Al for that because at the end of the day, he's not doing nothing wrong. He's just doing great things for boxing. You know, he's bringing he's bringing the fighters out. He got them in the, their pictures up. Uh, you seen the Broner and Keith Thurman, they had their pictures up, but they had them all with our suits and stuff. You know, like businessmen. You know what I'm saying? Like football players the same way, like that, basketball players, like real athletes. These guys are real athletes. These guys ain't guys that they pick from the street and they put them in the arena and say, go in and, 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 and you know, and fight. Like, no. These guys are 100% athletes. That's where they should be. They should be treated like athletes, like educated men. So just to be clear for our audience, we're all talking about Al Heyman right now, who's a premier boxing champions. PBC is, exactly. is sort of doing all this, this new, making these moves in boxing right now. But so last year, uh, you know, there was a lot of criticism thrown at Heyman and his fighters, and it, and it definitely went towards towards Danny and, and and his old camp about the way that you know Al was was uh, influencing matchmaking uh, with the fights yeah. against Mauricio Herrera and then the Rod Salka fight later in the year. How hard was it for for you yeah, and Danny yeah. to endure that criticism? You know how they say that basically they say they all pamper his fighters until they get to the top. Mm -hmm. The thing was this. 
if you look at Danny's record, look when Danny was five and oh, look what he fought. He fought a guy at twenty eight with eighteen KOs with uh with eleven losses, five and oh, who does that? Mm-hmm. And I took that an hour before his fight. An hour before his fight, that was an undercar of uh, Oscar and two pound TV. Right. Because the guy Danny was supposed to fight was four, six and four, and he had a bad liver. So they took him on. They came to me an hour before the show started and said, You wanna fight this guy? Okay, for twenty five hundred dollars, you know what I told Danny? If you can't beat a guy like that, you'll never be a world champion. Mm-hmm. But who trainer does that? Grab a fight like that, an hour before the fight. That should That's... tell you about Danny a whole lot about him. So people think that Danny's been pampered. No, pan Danny never been pampered. Yeah, no, Never it's true. Been the way I mean, he actually was an underdog in a lot of his big early fights. Certainly, uh, he was he was came into the fight against Amir Khan as an underdog and ended up knocking oh, yeah. him out. But yeah. I guess after the great success of the 2013 Matisse fight, when when Danny again came in as an underdog and won that fight convincingly, uh, exactly. You know what? Would you, were you at all disappointed with with them no. fighting guys like Herrera and Salka the next year who aren't considered no. as big of fighters? Yeah, but you know what? Never underestimate a man. Like I said earlier, I give him credit for putting gloves on. But the thing is, this Salka came in to let Danny destroy him like that. And then that was his cat's fault. But I seen him very, very focused in that ring. He was trying to get back. But the thing is, this. But if Danny fought Matisse, the same way he fought Salka was different. It's just, Boxing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it happens. Look, I know other fighters that for nobody. People G fight guys all the time, nobody. And they don't say nothing big about him. They always say he's a killer. Mm-hmm. Canelo fight nobody. Canelo fought. When he fought Floyd, they told him it was okay to lose, that he was still young. Yeah. <laughs> that tells you a whole lot right there. Well, <laughs> and you want me thing... to start bringing names, I suppose, in these guys. You know, you, know you can't I mean? take away from Danny who he fought, you know, leading oh, yeah. up. Leading up, I mean, it was it was one tough fight after another, and it culminated with that Matisse fight where, yeah. look, Angel, I was one of those yeah. guys predicting Matisse by knockout that you were upset yeah, against, no, and afterwards right. you have a right to. And I got to oh, yeah. give you credit, Angel. Not wrong with that. And not wrong. I'm not mad. That's, yeah, listen, you could be a boxer fan. I wasn't mad at nobody. But, but I knew what I, Danny was going to do. I give you so much credit for this, Angel. Thank you, you bro. Your greatest skill is a lot of people talk that you take the pressure off uh, off of Danny when you, when you speak. It allows him to focus. But there's a calculated nature to what you do, and I thought your greatest performance in this regard was before that Matisse fight. The, the final few days leading up, you were very, very fired up and passionate, and it culminated oh, yeah. in the press conference two days before the fight. You gave a nine-minute rant. It was Epic, yeah. <laughs> where you called out Matisse. You called out everybody no, in the room. No, Tell right. me about what was going through your head for this. Well, I couldn't believe the way people were saying it. Like, because they were making Matisse, and he was a champ. And I'm like, what was going on here? Like, listen, put it this way, brother. They had belts there, brand new belts for him. The only thing that they had the pictures on. Okay? Because you're supposed to, when you beat the champ, you're supposed to use the belt for the champ. Mm-hmm. And if they mailed them to you, they had all the bells. They were brand new. So how do you think I saw? I was ramming. I was pissed. I wasn't pissed about. I wasn't pissed at uh at uh, uh Matisse. I was just pissed at the world. Hmm. I mean, I was just mad at everybody in the world. Like the world was against us right now. I was like, "Damn, you got to go out there and do your thing. You have to go out there and show the world what you about. You're the champ of the world. There is no looking back. There is none. We should do this. We should have did that. No, there's no should." We ain't going 
There was no after the fight. Well, you know, we should have did this. We should have did that. No, there's no should. We did this. We did that. That was my whole mentality. And then uh, put a uh, put a candle hall too. He was supposed to not get any out. Mm-hmm. Candle hall. He was supposed to be strong, Danny. He was knocking everybody out with his with his uh, left hook. Danny ate him up too. What do you think it Hello? does to Danny to 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 hear you be the be the mouthpiece for him in a lot of ways? It, it, does that get him fired up in your mind? Well, the thing about Danny, he's humble, but he know what he got to do. He know he got to back it up. Like you know what I'm saying? Like when I talk, like he got to back that up. Like meaning is dead. Like you don't got to prove nothing to the world, or you don't got to prove nothing to me. But I know Danny's. I know his spirit. I know the way Danny works. And I know, I know the way he is. I know the same way he'll die for me. I'll die for him. There's a different thing in, 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 you know, in everybody's life. But I know what I do for Danny, and I know I'll give up my life for him the same way he'll give up his life for for me. So he knows. So when he sees me like that, you probably see him all humble. But in his mind, he's thinking the same way I'm thinking. You know what I mean? His, his yeah. switch goes off. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He goes into that 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 trance. You know, the fighter goes into that trance. Mm-hmm. And he goes into that mold, and he goes into that you know that, that instinct, that 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 bad instinct of a person. You, know you guys have a, it, you have a special relationship, Angel, and I thought it came through the best when after the first few rounds against Matisse, when Lucas had sort of taken a lead, you started even slapping Danny in the cheeks, like wake up. And I thought that no, moment really changed the fight. No, exactly. I wanted to wake his ass up. I wanted <laughs> to understand. <laughs> I want him to understand, you know what I'm saying? Really, like I said two seconds ago, really, no, we, we should have did this, we should have did that. Because we're going to do it now, at the moment, right now. There is no looking back right now. Right now, you go in there and you share your last blood, your last blood in your, in your body in that ring right there, right now, buddy. I love you a lot, but I'll see you again. Because we all got to die one day. And I know, if, if that's been God forbid, I hope never. But if Danny got to share his last blood in the ring, for his life to be who he is today, and then it should be. But I know at the end of the day, I'll see him again one day. Wow. Um, wow. wow. Angel, I wanted to ask you a little bit about your sort of the, uh, the sort of the two, almost sometimes it feels like you got two sides to your personality, right? Because when, yeah. <laughs> when you're at the press conference, you know, you'll just to shut the thing down and, yeah. and you know, really make a show of it. Um, but then, you know, we see you for, you know, a few seconds in the corner between rounds, giving Danny instructions, you know, whether it's the kind of uh, sort of inspirational moments that Brian's just talking about, where you're going to smack him into attention, but also you're telling right. him to calm down against Amir Khan when, when Khan got out to a little bit of a lead in the early rounds of that fight. You know, right. you, uh, it's, it's like, do, how do you, are there, are there two Angel Garcias? Is there like the, the the, the the sort of wild man who shows up at press conferences and the calm trainer in the corner? I mean, how do you, no. where does that come from? Oh, yeah, because when he's fighting, I'm with him in there. I'm, I'm, believe it or not, man, honestly, man, when I'm at, when Danny's in the ring, I'm with him in there, man, like spiritually wise. They fighting me too, man, because they fighting two people. That's what people don't understand is that, brother, is that, that when I'm in the ring with Danny, when Danny's in the ring, I'm in there with him, man. That's the only thing that's different between me and him. I mean, between me and him and a lot of people. Is that honest to God with you, brother? I'm in there with him. Spiritually, brother. Because honest to God with you, bro, is that the love I got for Danny is no stopping us. Like, it's all about love, my brother. And when you get love like that, God will help you all the way through this. Like, people don't understand it's a spiritual life to this. Like, 
is too life to the fighter. Is the spiritual, mentally one. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So when I'm in there, I know I mean it's hard to see your son getting punched in the face and all that. You know when you got to go in the ring, and you know and it's all about negative. You know it's all about going going to get somebody in in, in the ring with you that this person is ready to destroy you. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not easy because they you know everybody wants to fight, so they tell this fight. You know what I'm saying? Like you walking down the street, you want to fight somebody, and then they tell you, oh, let's fight. And then you want to be like, oh, well, I don't no, know about never that mind, one. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Like, it's a, you know, it's not a brutal sport, it's a sport, but it's a gladiator sport. So that's the difference between, that's why you see me who I am in the ring, when I could be two personalities. Like, I could be there because I know, I know what I got to do for him. You know, I got to keep my job, and my job is to keep Danny champion of the world, keep him focused and keep him defeated. Mm-hmm. And the only way I do that, now if I melt in the ring with him, and then then I shouldn't be in the ring with him. Then I shouldn't be in the corner if I'm going to melt away. You know, because the time I out there, he was fighting somebody. I forgot who he was, and my my corner man left me. One of the two uh, cup man left, and then the, the TV came over and asked me, "Who's going to take care of the cup?" So I said, "He got say, who you think going to do that? Me." <laughs> and I told my corner, "We got to step it up." And that's it. What I'm supposed to do? Cry out the corner? No, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I know how to do all that. I can take care of cuts. I know how to do all that. Angel, there's almost like a pro wrestling side of you that comes out, like a theatrical. Are you a fan of uh, WWE back in the day? Is well, that sort of no, when I was a kid, yeah, when they first started. <laughs> when uh, T.J. Strumbo, Persia Morales. Oh, wow. Uh, Salt and Pepper. That was back in the 70s, man. <laughs> Because when you used to be able to get free tickets, you got to pay for them now. <laughs> I feel like you're sometimes you're cutting promos on guys out there. No, right? yeah. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Look, if we talked about some of your greatest hits, the Matisse blow-up was fantastic. You're all probably more well-known for that Zab Judah press conference from April 2013. I thought you were going to come to blows with Zab. Forget about his dad, oh, yeah. Angel. No, I yeah, thought you were going to go toe-to-toe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, Zab wanted to kill me. <laughs> I'm gonna kill you, your family, all of you, your whole family gonna die. <laughs> but I understood he was upset. You know what I mean? Hey, listen. Sometimes a man gotta learn. Like I said, sometimes a man gotta think before he speaks. You can't say things they're gonna bite you in the future. You know what I'm saying? Like he, everything I said, I said it that he said. Now nah, nah, he ain't say nothing that he ain't say. He just didn't like it. it. Was a mirror. It was a mirror, but he never heard that part of the mirror in his life before. You understand? People kept it away from her, I guess. And when he did heard it, they, he got real offensive about it. You know what I'm saying? But it's okay because we took care of him, too. <laughs> That's deep you know stuff. I, mean? I, I, like how you're, <laughs> I like how you describe it. I get the feeling that you're willing to back up anything you say, which leads me to ask, were you, you know, did huh? you have a fighting background? Or did you have an amateur well, background? What's your story? Yeah, no, well, I did. I did. But the thing about me was I had an asthma. I had chronic asthma. So every time I used to spar and all that, I used to go into an asthma attack. But back then, my mom, my mom was a hillbilly. My family were hicks from Puerto Rico. They were country people. So they didn't understand that. When back then, when we moved here, I was six. And um, and uh, it was hard for Latinos, especially in Philadelphia. It was real hard here. It was a lot of, still a lot of racism and all that. I guess Latinos in this country. And when, when my mom spoke Spanish to us in certain places, they told us to speak English. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I went through a lot of stuff when I was a child. I don't even like to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah. You know, I made a, a pro wrestling reference before. 
and Danny has this, you know, wrestling, There's a, every wrestler has a finishing move, you know, that they go to to end the fight. Danny's got a finishing move in this left hook, Angel. I mean, it's kind of unlike a lot of, sign, you know, it's, it's really one of the rare signature punches. You know, if Danny's going to knock a guy out, it's going to come on this left hook. How much of that was, it was uh, you know, came naturally in the flow of a fight, and you're like, wow, that's a good punch? Or how much was that you calculating and helping him form this punch? Yeah, because what happens, Danny's a natural, he's natural strong. Like, God gave him that blessing. He's blessed, like, meaning it's this. You can't train that. That's something you got to be born with that. Naturally strong, like naturally strong. A lot of guys mm-hmm. are strong, but they got medication behind it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Naturally, it was God giving you this. Like, Danny was born with that. You know what I'm saying? Danny Danny was a fighter when he was born. He was he was choking with his biblical cord around his around his neck. You know, Danny was right. born purple. So he lived there before he even hit the he hit this world. So Danny's blessed. That's what I tell you guys. Nobody understands what I'm trying to say. Danny's blessed. Danny Danny's a blessed fighter. Danny was meant to fight. That's what he does. That's why he knows. Danny don't even know how to fold his shirt, brother. He can't even fold his shirt. You don't show you fold it, put it in your drawer. He don't even he rolls up in the ball and sticks in the drawer. <laughs> you know, Danny was Danny's making like that naturally, like that. You know, something God gave him that. And when Danny hits you, man, I'm that he hits you. When he hits you flush, you better be ready, bro. Because if you ain't ready, you're going down. And I ain't gonna lie to you. I got smart people that come here all the time and spar Danny, and they tell me, "Listen, man, something special about it." Every time he hit us, our brain feel like a shake. Wow. I get a lot of wow. that. I, I get guys that tell me when Danny punch him in the right ear, the, the left ear gets purple. <laughs> Not seriously, joke on the side. Yeah. But I get a lot of that from sparring guys. Um, they tell me that. Yeah. It's just something that if he hits you, man, that's what I try to tell people. If you take one of Danny's best shot, flush, and you're still standing, then I'm giving you that fight. It's going to be a long night. So See, Herrero, he ain't hit Herrero well enough. Right. Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Herrera kept leaping in with his jab like Superman. <laughs> you know what I mean? He kept leaping in with his head, too, and banging Daniel with the head. And the ref, I don't know where he was at. He was somewhere at all. He was not even in the ring. He was, like, in his house somewhere. Because he wasn't even seeing the headbutt. But he didn't hit Herrera flush. He, 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 he would hit Herrera flush. Like, flush. I'm talking about a flush shot. Right. If he hit you flush, that's why you're going to do the business. thing. You're so- going to hit him flush. You're going to hit him so you want to hit him further, you want to sit him down like he sit, uh, like he sit Khan down. I mean, not Khan, right. like he sit, uh, um, Remember he start set Khan, dab down. Yeah. Remember yeah. the straight right hand, he mm-hmm. hit that and sat him down. Mm-hmm. That's how you want to do, uh, Peterson, sit him down. There you go. Um, so Angel, uh, assuming that you know Danny, if Danny is successful on April 11th and and beats, knocks out, wins a decision over over Lamont Peterson, um, where do you see his career going from there? Did you see him being in the in the mix for whoever the winner of Mayweather Pacquiao is? Uh, do you you know well, do you see him defending the 140 140 pound well, titles? You know, but the thing is, this the fight out of Floyd and, May- and Manny. Listen, they're making all this money on the first fight. They they want to have somebody else join in there. They're going for a rematch, buddy. That's what everybody says. Mm-hmm. It's a rematch after that. Mm-hmm. So, so it is. I mean, if it is, the win out of them, it's hey, perfect. Yeah. You know, but we're not going to go, you making 150 or 80 million, and we getting 2 million. You know Floyd's going to say, well, it's the biggest payday of your career. <laughs> nah, not, nah, not really. Yeah, I know. If you do the math, not, not, not like a football player, you know how you get an all-term? Mm-hmm. 
Well, let's look at it in long term. It's not. <laughs> right. uh, so let me ask, uh, since we brought up Mayweather Pacquiao, do you see, how do you see that fight playing out? You know, have you, do, you, do you have a winner for that? Well, yeah, I'm going with Floyd. I got to go American. Yeah. I'm an American. That's what I do. I live in America. So strictly, I love America. Um, strictly patriotism. <laughs> well, I'm going for Floyd because the thing is, if, 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 if an American fighter would have gotten knocked out, like, man, he got knocked out, his career would have been over a long mm-hmm. time ago. What's the difference? That's why, because he's been hit hard, and he and he's been knocked out cold, sent to the hospital. Imagine that. Anytime a fighter gets hit like that, brother, at the age he's in, that's bad. Because that means your brain shook, your brain shook and hit the skull. Ugh. That's what that means. Yeah. Because you could get dropped and get back up, but when you get knocked out cold, like him and um, see, uh, Ricky Hay was smart. Because when he got knocked out cold, he retired today. <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? A lot of fighters don't want to come back from that. Now, that's not, That's not. you know, we see it as a knockdown, but we see it as a, as a win to Marquette. But that was a concussion, man, he received right there. Right. He was out cold. Like, he was shaking like that. You know, like, yeah, like a, like, a, like a seizure attack at the same yeah, time. Yeah, I, I still I mean, remember people seeing that People that know about boxing shake. know this stuff. People that don't know about boxing don't see this stuff. Yeah. See, man, he, he's, not that I'm saying that he's broke, but I don't know his. I don't know his bank account because you could say you got money, but you really don't have nothing. Because sometimes you got people in the, in the cookie jar. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It could be probably his biggest payday. He want to cash out. I don't know, but the thing is, you get knocked out like that, an American fighter's career would have been over. Yeah, you wouldn't have been fighting Floyd right now. Believe that. Mm. All right, so uh, we got time for one more question. Brian, let's oh, take it away. I, this is the one I've been waiting to ask all day. Listen, okay, Angel, bro. we know Danny is the junior welterweight champion. No one's disputing that. But he's calling himself the hashtag swag champ lately. <laughs> and <laughs> I got to know, Angel, where does this <laughs> no, yeah. guy get that from? Is, no, no. I mean, was Angel a ladies' yeah. man back in the day with, with some good <laughs> no. threads back in the 80s or what? You know what, bro? I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I did have a lot of girlfriends. I ain't going to lie. Like, <laughs> yeah. Keep like it I real. Keep like it real. <laughs> I'm being honest. Listen, I went, listen, I had girls. I had every weekend. I had a different girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm an ugly guy. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> You're the original Imagine swag I would have been one of the most, you know, one of the most beautiful men in the world, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Yeah, nah, no. Yeah, no, yeah, boy. He gets know, that style from his dad. Come on, he gets that style from you. You know it. Yeah, thank you, brother. I mean, we see you in the videos, in the Instagrams, dancing with him. You know, I mean, it almost like you live it up alongside him. You know, they're just like father and son sometimes. No, you're right. No, you're right. You're right. Because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening. I, I know my age. I know I'm an older man. I'm not an old man. There's a mm-hmm. difference between uh, being an old man and an older man. I'm an older man. Like, I'm 52. That's still young to me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'll be, why are you going to change the state of your life? No, buddy. No, no. I'm not going to stay young. I'm still young. I'm not old. An old man when you're 60, 70, 80, that's an old man. Because the thing yeah. is this, us guys, we work hard, and we work hard till we're 50. Until we're 50, everything dies. Why? You already worked hard enough. Right. Your kids are growing. Now is your time to enjoy yourself. You're still young enough to knock a fool out, Angel. The Come on. Their belly gets humongous. The, the big-ass belly, you're walking around ugly because you got a woman telling you ugly. No, 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 no. A man got to live. A man lives till he dies. Angel, this is what I like about you. People see you as this as this crazy guy. You you dropped some some deep stuff on us today, and I really appreciate your knowledge on people. That's why I gave Danny knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, Angel, we want, to, we want to thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, Saturday, April 11th, Premier Boxing Champions in Brooklyn, New York. Your son, Danny Garcia, 143-pound catchweight against fellow titleist Lamont Peterson. Thank you so much, Angel. Good luck to you thank guys. Thank you, yeah. bro. Don't forget. Thank you, Angel. Tune in. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you, you, bro. Take Have care, a good brother. day. Okay. Talk to you. All, All right. right. All right, Brian, uh, we're back. You know, we, we wanted to talk about uh, and update our Judah list of fighters that we wanted to, uh, not we, but that I personally would like to, you know, wouldn't mind seeing take a knockout the way that, that Zab Judah once took uh, against Costa Zoo in embarrassing fashion. And and this interview with Angel Garcia How kind of... That? Uh, well, it was, it was, I mean, it was incredible. Uh, and I, you know, he was more subdued, more uh, sort of uh, meditative than I would expect. You uh, got to hear the heart, though, the heart. You know, yeah. you, you, you expect he's going to be throwing insults, throwing things. You find out that, you know, you, there's a real passionate, you know, good dude under there. And I thought it was really interesting yeah. to unwrap that. And, you know, but but that's sort of my problem here is that my I, I had planned to come in for, to this Judalist segment and just go hard on Danny Garcia go like I was gonna do it like Dave Chappelle re, you know like like uh making the band style you know like <laughs> Danny 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 and Danny um and after talking to to Angel you know I mean it, it I have to admit it softens my stance even though there's some stuff about Danny's recent career and even before I was in as big a Danny Garcia guy as some others but uh, you know, after talking to Angel Garcia, I sort of uh, feel like I'm softening my 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 desire to throw him into the judalist. You know, they they have a very interesting and relationship that's real and it's intense and it, you know and it's special and it does sort of soften you. But you know, the judalist is not just the guys that that sometimes you want to see uh, uh, take a tough tough defeat. It's a lot of times it's the the internet pulse of the fan, you know. And a lot, and unfortunately for DSG, whether his fault or not, he's done enough to to kind of draw the ire of the fans, especially over the last year. Yeah, let me lay out sort of the case for Danny Danny Garcia to be on the Judah list, uh, starting with uh, tw- his 2014, coming off the biggest win of his career against Lucas Matisse at the end of September, uh, at the end of 2013. He comes out, fights sort of a, a, a get-well uh, homecoming fight in, Port- in his native, uh, not native, but, uh, you know, parents. Uh, na- it was a home. stretch yeah. for being home. For, right. uh, I'm, uh, in, uh, we heard I'm coming home played a lot, right? <laughs> anyway, in Puerto Rico, he fought uh, Mauricio Herrera and didn't look good. He A lot of people thought he lost the fight. Uh, Mauricio Herrera gave him a ton of trouble. Uh, and then from there, you know, he gets a decision. It was disputed, but they move on and they fight. Rod Salka, which was maybe the most outrageous thing that happened in, in 2014 in boxing, was one of the worst years in boxing in recent memory. Uh, Danny well, don't Garcia, forget DSG came out with the purge mask on the way into the yeah, ring. That, I, that was judicious right of there. Of course. You know, like, like preening over the fact that you are about to knock out a guy who wasn't even ranked uh, a weight class below you uh, who's fighting you for no apparent reason. And add a catch weight of 142, just to put a little more salt in the wound, okay? And, you know, you could even go back and and sort of pick bones with some of the, the, the things earlier in his career. Uh, you know, the, the two fights against Eric Morales didn't exactly make sense to me, especially the second one. Uh, well, which... I'll, let, let me give him a little credit. That was a contract. People, he gets a lot of crap for that. That was a contractual thing that Morales had, and Morales right. kicked in for the payday. 
And that's what, it's, it's a tough thing. It's a, it's a tough okay. debate. Outwardly, you want to put him on the Drew list, but inwardly, before 2014, he actually fought one tough guy after another, and it's just he sort of got caught under the, the Heyman umbrella there and blamed for it, you know? All right, man. Well, all right. So, so Danny is on the Judah list for the fans, and 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 I, really the only reason he's not totally all in on it for me is because Angel just is such a sort of entertaining character and an interesting guy. Uh, so, really, the lesson is don't become uh, a sports media member because then you actually meet the people that you root for and against, <laughs> and you realize that a lot of the time the people you root against aren't that bad. That's why I became a Vonis fan. That's my man. <laughs> Um, so this weekend, uh, we talked about it before. We just talked about it with Angel Garcia. Um, this weekend on NBC on Saturday night, uh, at, from the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, uh, it's got a, uh, two main of, well, not two main events, but as the, as the PBC likes to call it, two main events, um, <laughs> Uh, Danny Garcia and Lamont Peterson, as well as Peter Quillen and Andy Lee fighting at middleweight for Andy Lee's middleweight belt that once belonged to uh, Peter Quillen, blah, blah, blah. He gave it up, blah, blah, blah. Um, before we get into the previews of these fights, um, just this is a, sort of the one-month one month anniversary or month anniversary for, uh, for the PBC. It's the second PBC on NBC show. Uh, what are your, what's your overall uh, you know, opinion of how it's gone for PBC? You know, I think it's still inconclusive. It's so early. I think there was a, there was a lot of issues we've the issues we've had so far. A lot of times were about the broadcast. You know, wh- whether it be the initial kickoff card on NBC last weekend's uh, launch of the afternoon show on CBS with Adonis Stevenson drew the ire of a lot of people for different reasons. I'll give the PBC credit. I like that they're. Uh, adjusting and seems to be hearing the criticism and making adjustments. I don't think we saw those handicap ramps on the stage in Quebec on Saturday. And time. we definitely saw, you know, Hans Zimmer take a back seat because we saw, for, you know, no operatic uh, lead-in music no. for, the, for the walk-ins. I, I just we, love that they, the, the time that they finally decide to let the fighters choose their own music, it's so that Adonis Stevenson can walk <laughs> to the ring with the Superman <laughs> theme going. So, you know, it lo- I mean, I thought their Spike TV card was fantastic, especially the broadcast. It looks like they're making some changes. There was a big announcement since we last talked, of course, that the Friday Night Fights ba- uh, brand on ESPN will be no more. And starting July 11th, we're going to get monthly PBC cards on ESPN, which, you know, that's pretty big news. But, but uh, Al continues to stretch out the PBC brand. As far as sort of grading it, what have we learned after one month? You know, obviously, it's going to take a lot more time than that to see the, you know, the rate to see when the ratings come in to see whether they can start getting ads because they kind of played the same PBC two commercials right. ad nauseum during the Stevenson Bika fight last week with the uh, previewing the Omar Figueroa fight coming up, previewing the other fights. It, you know, it was showing you that the ad sales aren't there yet. It's just a tough business model without knowing all of the facts to sort of understand and understand where it's going to go. And unfortunately, because of Al's secrecy, we won't know the facts. The quality of fights that we've seen announced have been okay, pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. for, for free TV. Uh, you know, you can't really complain about a lot right now, about a lot. I really can't. What, what's your take? Well, that's the thing. People have been talking about the, the rating, you know, the, the most recent card, Adonis Stevenson and uh, Saki Obika up in Montreal last weekend, only got a 1.1 rating on CBS in the middle of the day, sort of leading up, leading into the final four games. Um, you know, I, I would say that whatever is going on with this plan, I think it's more of a plan to take over and then figure out how to monetize. Uh, I think that it's sort of a long plan to, you know, just sort of, 
eventually bleed out all of the rest of the promoters in boxing and and get them signed to manager Al Heyman in time for I believe you mentioned this the man in the black hat Richard Schaefer <laughs> uh, when he when he becomes uh, when his license to become a promoter is is sort of renewed again uh, and then go from there and figure out once they hold all the chips how they're gonna t- turn that into a, a profitable business I don't think yep. the idea is they're gonna they're gonna be able to sell ads that that make up for the purses and all the expenses they're laying out right now there's got to be a long play and like you said unfortunately we can't know what it is uh it's a long game it obviously involves a, a tv deal of some kind involves a lot of things but maybe the ratings weren't so good on that quebec show because uh new cbs pbc announcer brett stover after the fight told Donna stevenson that it was an epic fight against sergio bica and and failed to even bring up sergey kovalev's name in the post-fight interview so i think that for me that's the worst thing that's happened to the pbc so far but beyond that overall we just got to wait and see that, that's really it. Let's let's get into these fights. Uh, Danny Garcia, Lamont Peterson, 143 pounds. Why? Uh, you know, and then how do you see it playing out? All right, this is the big thing that the sore thumb that's sticking out. This is a catchweight fight. Nobody on record can really tell you why, which is just sort of ridiculous. This is the fight that we wanted for for over a year for clarity within the division. Danny, the real champion. Uh, Lamont Peterson, another titleist in the division. Lamont, we had him on making the rounds. He doesn't know why it's a catchweight fight. Yes, Danny, he says, you know, well, I can make 140 if I want to, but it'd probably be a little bit hard. I don't want to stretch my body. 143 is easier right now. It doesn't matter that it's not a title fight. We talked to Angel on this show. He says, Danny can make 40 without a problem. Yeah, so why like, is this a catchweight? Whoever. We fight whoever. The, the, the reaction for fans of uh, and me of why this isn't a catchweight fight sort of brings up a, a bait-and-switch feeling that, okay, we don't do it for a title, and whoever loses gets to continue to defend the title. We saw that in, in Heyman fighters before. When Lamont Peterson got knocked out in 2013 by by uh, Lucas Matisse mm-hmm. in a catchweight fight, now Lamont's still carrying that belt. When uh, Arislani Lara lost to Canelo last year, the same thing. Yep. Lara's still defending that belt. Now, I, I believe it was the IBF who said they would strip Peterson if this was a catchweight fight, so maybe that's not playing in, but it's confusing about why this is. And I thought if I'm digging deep and trying to play play Al, you know, get in Al's head, then maybe it was the PBC continuing this, what looked like a trend to just not recognize big titles. We saw in that Thurman uh, Guerrero fight in the first PBC card, the the usher sort of pushing the, the trainer sure. back. They're not even letting Thurman's belt in the ring for him to hold it up. It looked like they weren't going to recognize titles and maybe recognize my, my theory that we were going to go PBC titles one day, that it was going to be more of the UFC league model that they were going to follow. I could, was see rep- it. I could see that working out that way, but but, I mean, we'll talk about this in a minute. There is yeah, a belt on the line in the undercard with, uh, you know, with Andy Lee and Peter Quillen. But then we saw last weekend without Donna Stevenson, they allowed his WBC title to yeah. be flaunted. They talked about it. He showed it during the post-fight interview. It's really confusing. If this is just, hey, Danny Garcia isn't going to be his best trying to cut down to 140 anymore, so let's just do this fight, and then Danny may go up to 147, then maybe it's okay. But if a guy potentially is going to keep defending that belt, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. All right, drop the politics. Let's just talk about the fight. Um, you know, what what are what do you see Lamont Peterson as, as you know, he's a competitive fighter. He's been competitive in in every, almost every fight we've we've seen him in except for of course when he got knocked out bad to Lucas Matisse and uh pretty much got shut out way back in the day against uh, Timothy Bradley. Um, but he he's fought well against a lot of big names. Uh, has the controversial win over Amir Khan. Uh the draw with Victor Ortiz back when Ortiz was a, right. was, a, was, was a big was thing. something of a of a kind of a face lube destroyer, um, <laughs> but uh, you know uh, most people see him as a as a 
a serious underdog uh, facing Danny Garcia. You know, do you think does does Peterson have a chance? What's your prediction? It's one of those fights that actually is a good matchup, and I'll you know I am excited for. It. I want to you know I'm going to be ringside. I'm excited to see what happens, but I do see this as somewhat somewhat you know as an easy pick that Danny Garcia is just the better fighter here because for Lamont Peterson to compete in these fights a lot of times he fights over his head I thought he did that against Khan I mean mm-hmm. you know he, he ended up getting caught in that fight with with with, uh, with PEDs if, if I'm if, if I remember right but he fought relentlessly he fought over his head he fought fearless there's been times in his career when he just shows you inwardly guts that are stronger than his actual chin or punching power so right. he tries to fight like the fighter he necess- he might not actually be and it gets him to into trouble. Yeah. I, I don't think he can outbox Danny. So to win this fight, I think he has to step into the danger zone. But by doing that, it plays into Danny's hands, and Danny's got that world-class left hook. I really see this ending in a stoppage. I could see it happening. Uh, you know, I, I, I see it almost the same way. You know, Lamont Peterson is a guy who has a lot of he's – a, he's a very sound, skilled – boxer he can move he can do a lot of things in the ring uh but at the same time he's one of those guys who we, who we always end up loving for this exact reason he can't stay out of a fight you know he always sort of pushes put you know steps on the gas pedal more than he probably should given his own punching power and his own chin and and that and and against a guy like Danny Garcia I do think that he will probably you know get caught with a counter counter shot not surprised if it turns into one of those big left hooks uh, and and goes down. I think Peterson's a tough guy, though. I think he will get back up uh, and and end up losing a decision. Interesting. It, it could end up going that way. I mean, he's a tough guy. I just don't know if he has the chin to continually take those kind of shots. But where do you think this launches the winner? And I say this because it seems to be there's certain, if you're going to play PBC matchmaker, there's certain silos. If Danny's the winner here, I mean, he's the bigger name of the two, the more likely I would think to get a huge fight from winning this. Does he actually get that huge fight? Does he go to 47 and become a potential Mayweather opponent if Floyd wins? Or do you see him maybe settling in under getting in a different track and getting in maybe a Broner silo or somewhere else. A lot of that has to do it depends on what happens with uh, Mayweather and Pacquiao on May second, right? I mean, I, we, the thing is, we've talked to a few different people on here now who said, "Oh, maybe they they favor Floyd," but at the same time, they think there's going to be a rematch. Well, what does that mean? It means they think that there's a good chance that one way or another, this fight is the the, the Mayweather Pacquiao fight is very close, or Manny gets a decision. Uh, whether or not it's controversial or deserved, you know, time will tell. Um, but they think that could happen, which would just sort of bump Danny Garcia back down into that second silo you were talking about um talk to me about this uh this co-main event the undercard uh andy lee defending his middleweight belt against peter quillen who used to own that belt this is a good fight this is probably the fight so far that i've been most excited of any pbc fight because it's probably the closest to a 50 50 if you will of all the bigger name fights that's been announced Good storylines in the fact that, you know, Quillen controversially gave up his middleweight title. He's still unbeaten. Gave it up last year when there was the purse bid situation with Jay-Z mm-hmm. and Rock Nation Sports purchasing the, the the rights to promote that fight. There's the riff there, you know, the long story between Al, you know, and not being down with uh, with Beyonce, you know, Jay-Z's wife, you know, and they're not down with PBC, you know. And, you know, for the <laughs> ladies, PBC means something different, right? Oh, First no letter's the same, but the no. – All right, so – uh, Back, back to life, back to reality. Uh, so, yeah, there's the storyline that he's coming back. You know, there was some rumors that he took a, home a nice chunk of change to sort of do that and take the public right, beating. I'm talking back. about Quillen. Take the public beating on Twitter and all that. Get the nice chunk of change. Now he's coming back to fight for his own title. 
in a good fight, a tough fight, but a, but a winnable fight in my mind because I believe in Quillen. The interesting thing for him, though, is that he's coming off of the full year away. And during that four year, full year away, he had the death of his uncle, which had a lot of meaning to him because his uncle was, was part of the, was a big, had a big hand in how he was raised and raising him. And then at the same time, his son was born. So he's, he kind of stepped away from it, endured mm-hmm. the criticism. Now he's coming back. How do you think that affects what kind of version of Peter Quillen we'll see on Saturday? You know, I'm not too. I'm not really sweating his personal life and how that's going to affect him in the ring. I guess it's possible, but that could happen with you know. It could happen with you know a fighter who, who we don't know as much about his personal life because he doesn't share it like Peter Quillen does. Uh, you know, you don't know what's going on with a guy you know that we can't see. Um, but I do. I personally think that like the the the, the opposition that Quillen has faced in recent years and just sort of the way his 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 career in the ring has has stagnated. Uh, could could hurt him in this fight. You know, he, he he's a on paper and you know just in 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 my head, he is a better boxer and a better all around fighter than Andy Lee. He has he's you know more elite skills. He's more versatile. He's just you know he he hasn't been beaten. There's a lot of reasons why he should win this fight, and ultimately, I think he probably will. But I'm worried because. He, um, you know, he's been fighting guys who aren't on that level. He, and, and, you know, you can sort of fall into a trap and, and, and get used to fighting on that level. And then all of a sudden faced with a guy who's not just coming in to lose, you know. And, and yeah, that, here's why you're worried. Gabe Rosado was, was that. But, uh, you know, we've seen what happens when he reaches that level. Here's why you're worried. Quillen wins the title in 2012 over Hassan Emdon. Very yeah. good fight. Because Quillen was on the Al side of the street, business-wise, on the Showtime Heyman side, there weren't a lot of middleweights. There certainly weren't middleweights under contract with Heyman for fights that would get you excited. Right. So his he never properly stepped up again from that Endom fight to show you how world-class he is, yet sort of retained a temporary stature as one of the elite middleweights in the world without actually properly proving it. And then his fights since then have been inconclusive. I mean, he knocked out Fernando Guerrero, but it seems like everybody's doing that. Right. It looks like he probably could have lost a decision there against uh, Rosado until in, 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 was that a cut that stopped that fight? It early, was a cut, although he was like, way up on the cards. Even yeah, like all Rosado was fights. On. Yeah, he would... The cut will stop it. And then, you know, even in a fight, a no-win situation against Lucas Konecti, who the heck's that? <laughs> you know, he, he did look good, but he didn't dominate and blow the guy out. So he gets, you know, he gets he gets compromised for that from the fans. So he became the the judalist type of guy that the, no the fans love to hate. He also doesn't seem to take criticism well. It's you know I, I've I've known Peter Cullen pretty well. He's very open. You know that this stuff hurts him. He doesn't understand how fans can be so cruel. So he's become a guy that people like to pile on. But I don't even really think we exactly know. I believe that he's good enough. I don't think he's on the Gennady Golovkin level. But I I believe he, this is a matchup he should win. That he is good enough. But I believe there's potential for doubt, and I think that doubt is real for a reason because he never properly stepped up. But Lee, on the other hand, can, can compromise himself, can get into trouble. As much as he's looked you know, good in these miraculous back-to-back come-from-behind knockout wins and he finally achieved full potential in winning this middleweight title, don't forget two fights ago he moved down in weight. And when you do that at age 30, it's looked at you know, as sort of a desperation move. Yeah. Uh, you know, Andy Lee, it's been fun to see him get back to this level in his career. I don't think, I mean, he, he didn't actually get to this level in his career during his first run. You know, he, he got a shot against Chavez Jr. at middleweight and uh, got blown out, you know, started strong, but then just got overwhelmed. Got uh, caught in a war. He got, yeah. caught in a, got caught in a brawl, should have boxed, yeah. right? Uh, and he, uh, Lee, you know, built his career back up, uh, you know, had, had to sort of come back from, from you know, the, the, the edge of a cliff, and especially in that, that, that fight on the Martinez-Cotto undercard. Um, but he's, you know, I think, 
I, what do we, Andy Lee, it's nice to see him here. He's, you know what he's going to bring. He's, he's going to probably fall behind on the cards and, and hope that he you know, lands a punch that, that turns the fight True. around for him. He could do that in this fight. Uh, I'll go ahead and, and say that I'm predicting that he won't do that in this fight. I think that Quillen is good enough and uh, smart enough. He's not going to rush, run into any, any shots, and I think that he's not going to get caught sort of sl- like, I don't know if it was caught sleeping or whatever. However, Matt Korobov got caught when he lost to Andy Lee in the most recent fight. Quillen, I think, is going to outpoint him. I agree with you. Two things I, I, I fear about Lee is he doesn't move his head enough, so he gets caught. You know, he gets hit. I mean, even in, in that, that – he had a good fight there, kind of a forgotten fight on the 2011 Martinez Zinzerick undercard when he fought Craig McEwen on oh, HBO. God, that was a yeah. good fight where he was down. That was another one where he had a rally mm-hmm. when he was down and get the big knockout late. He doesn't move his head enough, and I think he can get hurt if you keep hitting him flush. And I think Peter Quillen's just going to be too athletic for him, and as long as Quillen is on his game, he's going to be able to consistently counter him flush. And I think I think eventually it's going to just be a decision win for Quillen. I think he's going to look good doing so and it's going to ruin the, the the Andy Lee dream of fighting Gennady Golovkin he was originally supposed to do that and that fight got canceled we're not going to see that I don't think we're going to see you know Triple G Quillen either if Quillen wins but I think this is a good fight I'm going to favor Quillen all right well that's going to do it for the ropes this week uh April 11th that's this Saturday PBC on NBC Danny Garcia Lamont Peterson fighting at the glorious catchweight of 143 pounds for zero junior welterweight belts. Uh, Andy Lee defending his middleweight belt against Peter Quillen. Uh, we really want to thank uh, Angel Garcia for being our guest this week. It was a it was a really really cool and sort of meaningful talk with him. Uh, we want to thank uh, Joe Fuentes and David Jacoby, the producers at the Grantland Network, and uh, we want to thank everybody who's listening and and hopefully encourage you to go to iTunes and subscribe to the ropes feed subscribe to the grantland sports feed subscribe to grantland pop culture feed uh as well as uh rate and review all those things uh because we hope that you enjoy them and uh brian you want to uh you want to remind us to watch our boy siri orlando salido this weekend too yeah one little thing to drop we talked in the past about how a lot of fights are getting overshadowed because of mayweather pacquiao and the pbc saturday pay-per-view from puerto rico orlando salido rocky martinez oh man that'd be a fight that would be a great hbo opener some unfortunately it's not be on the lookout for that, though. That's going to be a fun fight, Peja Borakovic. I can't wait to check that out as well. Great show this week. Thanks for doing it. Thank you, man. Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on Podcasts.